Hi everyone, this is Joe Anderson with Keeping Up With Joe, and today we're joined by Michaela Loomis, and we are going to be talking about the Harry Potter books, and we're going to be ranking them uh, from worst to best. Of course, they're all great. Okay, not weird. He's he's already written this I've article. I've written the article, yeah. We're going off of his article, which you should all go check out on his blog, <laughs> josephrideranderson.com. Slash blog. Slash blog. <laughs> But uh, I will be commenting on if I agree with him or not. So Which is nice, because then you'll get Loomis's point of view as well, not just mine. So That's, that's nice. true. I mean, that's why the people listen to this podcast, right? For my exactly. point of view, obviously. The Loomis, point, the Loomis perspective <laughs> <laughs> should be the next podcast oh you do. Oh, my goodness. So again, as always, if this is your first time on the podcast, we're so glad to have you here. Whether or not you're part of the email family or a patron or a subscriber, we're just glad that you're a listener. First and foremost, if you want to become a patron or a subscriber, the best way to do that is to go to josephrideranderson.com slash subscribe and subscribe to the newsletter to get uh, email a content email directly to you each month. Uh, patrons also have access to, on Patreon, have access to unique gifts they can't get anywhere else, like the josephrideranderson.com mug. Like the mugs, you guys. <laughs> the mugs. <laughs> I can't wait to get mine. Seriously. Those are free. All you have to do is be a subscriber for okay, a couple they're months. They're not free. You have to subscribe <laughs> to get the mug. But they are free once you subscribe. And there's a whole other host of benefits, exclusive content. Okay, you have you put there. the sweater on yet? The I think the sweater's sweater. In the store. Okay, the yeah. sweater should be on like the, the twenty-five dollar a month club. I should. It should. Like you should get the sweater and a mug. Yeah, I gotta get right now. Okay. Patreon's not doing this. No, it depends. It depends. Is it a cardigan or is it a pullover? I'll show you it right now. Okay, I'm excited. Guys, it's like it's like June. But I, I <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. That's why I keep not buying it. I myself, want this sweater. You haven't bought your own sweater. I want to, but I'm gonna wait for like the Christmas season. No, I'm definitely getting. It's that. a baller sweater. Oh, right? it's a baller sweater. That's a, that blue would look so good with my eyes. Yeah, and you can get it in black too. No, I'm getting it in blue. That's a good blue. There's. What are you doing? I don't know. He's struggling. I'm trying to show you. In this black is why. Uh, is this why your podcast isn't on YouTube? Um, just, why? just because, like, just it was, it was a struggle there for a bit. I'm doing some YouTube now. Really? I did one with Karina, and I'll do some more. I did one with Karina, who's a digital content, digital artist, and I did one with Kristen. And so those are two on, cool. on YouTube. Yeah, but it's, it's just you have to do those. Like in here, I'd have to get like someone who could use a camera, you know? That's true. Whereas if I just do it online, I can just use my like HD webcam. That so, is true. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Well, <laughs> I don't have a YouTube channel, but I do have my own podcast called Hearts Ablaze. Um, by the time y'all are listening to this, we'll have a couple episodes out. Um, but it's all about like being a Catholic woman in the 21st century. Um, and yeah, we're uh, really excited about it. And we hope you take a listen to it. Please do. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> I endorse this podcast. <laughs> Great. I am that's... Joe Anderson. I endorse this message. Oh my goodness. That's it. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. And right away, so I put at number seven, I put the Chamber of Secrets. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your oh, favorite? That's my favorite one. So that's why I figured there's gonna be some problems here. Oh shit! Okay, give me no. your reasons for why it's your favorite. Okay, well, part of it's my favorite because I love Ginny Weasley, and I yeah. like really identified with Ginny Weasley as a child, because um, I too had a crush on like a childhood friend that like didn't get anywhere. So don't ask me about it. But um, it it just like yeah, I just really identified with her, and then. Just seeing like twelve year old Harry, Ron, and Hermione just like interacting was hysterical. Um, but I I don't know. Like it it's just one of those books that I read and I was like, no, this is it. So like definitely like honestly, it's probably one of my favorite of any book that I've ever read. Yeah. Um, 
but it just has a lot of like it's it's got a lot of humor with like Lockhart as like a professor. He's just so ridiculous. Um, but then we also see Harry really start to come into his own with Quidditch. Um, we see him like really kind of start to grow up. Uh, and then we we truly see like the first like looking back on it, we see the first interaction with the Horcrux yeah. that like sets up the rest of the series. Um, and then we see like Harry being truly selfless. Like he doesn't even know Ginny. Like he knows that Ginny is Ron's younger sister, but like he doesn't know anything besides her. Like anything about her other than that. Um, he's not thinking he's of her flaming red hair yet. <laughs> like in the not yet. Book. Okay, Harry should Harry both Harry and Ginny should not write poetry. They're both <laughs> they're both his eyes are green as a fresh pickled toad. Like they're just awful. Yeah. Um, but they're they're still kids, and like Harry, like. In the first book, we see that, like, Harry is, like, willing to die as an 11-year-old. But, like, as a 12-year-old, in the second book, we see that he's willing to die for someone else, which yeah. is huge. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good book. I think that, to me, I know it's kind of legendary that, that Rowling had trouble with this book, writing it. Really? She had trouble with it because, A, she had to follow up on the success of the first book. That's true. So there was that trouble. Yeah. Also... She actually, I think the original version would have looked quite different because she included a lot of the stuff that we learn about, about Horcruxes and all that. We yeah. don't know, but she included a lot more stuff than she meant to. And the editors really made her chop it down. And so I think that there's oh. a lot there. But because of that sort of difficulty, I think it kind of comes off in the book. I think to me, it's just a bit breezy of a read and which is why I like it a little bit less like the later books are so much detail and I think that's part of yeah. why you like like one of those things that are a big draw about the, the Harry Potter world right is how much detail how much that detail. Rowling puts into it yeah yeah and you kind of live in it whereas the second book it definitely still at this point feels like a children's book more yeah which I guess is why I have it further down I think all those points you said though are great points about why it's so great and I think that that's totally true I think the funny thing about this book partly why I ranked it lower is because it feels to me almost a little bit like a standalone book which is interesting that you, that you say it's one of the favorite books you've ever read because it maybe it, in a way it is sort of yeah. its own standalone narrative. Well, you know? and it, it has those like vindictive hooray moments, you know, like Fred and George and Ron break Harry out of the Dursley's house, you know, yeah. which is something that we've been longing to happen. Yeah. You know, like like Harry and Ron make their way to Hogwarts on the flying car, you know, all this crazy stuff. Um, no, but you're right. But like Rowling also sets things up for further books down the line that we don't necessarily get when we yeah. read it first as children. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's some really cool things you, you learn about there. Yeah. Like the and like and when you reread it after you've read the whole series, you're like, oh my gosh, how could I have missed this? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but that's kind of the beauty of Harry Potter is that Rowling's like plot twists are so present and they make sense like after you've read the book. But like when you reread it, you're like, Harry, how could you have been so stupid? But like you forget that you didn't see it either. Um, no, but I see it. And like, again, we're not like it's just seven out of all the Harry Potter books. It's they're all not, like they're all great. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I still disagree with you and I'll fight you about it later. But that's fine. <laughs> off screen or off, off, off mic. Off mic. I'll fight you. But so and I put number this number six and as the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone as yeah. number six. It's, okay. It's, yeah, again, it's funny because it's actually, that's still the, to this day the best-selling book of all of them. I mean, don't we, isn't that a, isn't the same with all series though? It's like the first Probably. book is the best-selling. Yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. of the Hunger Games, I think the Hunger Games is still the best-selling. Probably part, part of the reason why Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is so high-selling is that of all of them, it's the most children's. Books. That's true. It is. Yeah. In, like the syntax and even the page layout 
and like the number of pages like yeah. you look at the book it's just easily digestible yeah whereas like you hold it up to goblet of fire and you're just like oh no <laughs> like, <laughs> no i see that yeah but there, there, to me it's the chamber of secrets it just isn't as much fun to read i'm sorry the sorcerer's stone i would actually I, now that i'm after some time because when i wrote this list after he's um after he's spoken to me <laughs> and he's realized the error of his ways <laughs> i haven't re i haven't i hadn't reread those two at that point after rereading okay. them i actually had more fun reading chamber than i did sorcerers well because everybody's already friends yeah like you don't have to go through the awkwardness of making friends you spend less time with the dursleys like it's it yeah you know one you know one, one chapter i hate from chamber just getting back to that what? sorry no tell me is the death day party the death day party yes yeah, so yeah. he actually goes to headless nick's death day party i feel so bad like... for nearly nearly headless nick, yeah joe <laughs> Sorry. nearly headless, <laughs> headless how could you forget nearly headless nearly Nicks. headless uh and it's like, what's the point of that chapter? I maybe even just sort of skimmed over. It's like, well, what's the point, we're looking you know? at it, and it, the, the point is to set up that like Harry cares about other people, and he is willing to do what he says he's going to do. Yeah, you know, and so it's it's like building Harry's character. It's not necessarily like, like I actually see this in a lot of series. Like one of my favorite series is Throne of Glass um, by Sarah J. Mass. Right. And the first two books are very much background. Like you really get to learn about the characters, and then she doesn't actually tell you much about the characters for the rest of the the series. Because she's assumed that you've already, like, remembered the first two books. And I think that's what Rowling did in Harry Potter as well. You get a lot of detail that sets up the characters, like, the main characters in the first two or three books. And then once you get into Goblet of Fire, it really turns into, like, all right, you know enough about the characters. Now we can go on the story. Actually, in the fourth book, she repeats herself a lot. Yeah? I was really I surprised remember. by that because I reread it and she's like, like, she'll be like, Dementors are these uh, hooded figures that take all of the... Well, who's talking, though? Is the it the narrator? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. Well, what was the... um? Was that, like, the turning point to where she became, like, really, really famous instead of just kind of famous? Goblet of Fire, I think, was around the time stuff was getting real with Potter. So Mania. maybe she was feeling like she had to, like, repeat herself for the yeah. people who hadn't reread the first book three times before yeah. reading the fourth book yeah i don't know i, I do think like the third five book. six and seven is quite a bit less of that but five six and seven it's not a children's book anymore no it's not yeah, yeah. it's and definitely so the, the fourth book, moved it's, into young adult the fourth book it's still sort of children that transition yeah. period well and like that actually follows the storyline because the fourth book is the transition from like oh this is just like a game to oh my gosh we're in war yeah so All no the, overnight that, yeah. Overnight, literally overnight. So yeah, and that, that's something. The book we'll get that in a second. So she's the, using the syntax to yeah. actually model the like the theme, which is yeah, really cool. it's really impressive. And actually, that's something that the book does. The the Goblet of Fire, in my opinion, the book does so much better than the movie. Is how oh, jarring it is. Yes, because you're in Harry's head. Yes, 100%. and he's just he's not thinking about Voldemort. He's not okay. Thinking about Harry anything. Harry doesn't think about things. Like he <laughs> wants to think about things. No, I like read this. Like Harry only thinks about things that like immediately threaten his life, and that's actually something that like you can see because he was abused as a child. Mm, so like yeah. he doesn't pay attention to things that are on the periphery, and then so that's why when you're reading the books, things can come out of nowhere because he's not paying attention because they don't impact his life significantly at that moment. And then the second it becomes important to him, that's all he can think about. So that's why like for a lot of readers, like his romance with Ginny comes out of nowhere. It's because she wasn't on his radar. And then all of a sudden, like he was like, Oh, Ginny Weasley. And then yeah. that's all he thought about. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. No, for so sure. number six is uh, Sorcerer's Stone. What is number yeah. five? Oh, Wow. It's interesting I put this here. What did you put? Actually, Wait, can I guess? Yeah. Uh, Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. No, I actually put The Deathly Hallows. Number five. Really? Yeah. And you know okay. the reason for this is that I 
I, in my opinion, a lot of that book is really good. Yeah. I think the ending's not well done. Wait, I, okay. Do you mean the ending or the epilogue? Uh, oh, I mean like the Battle of Hogwarts. But, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like it's a little rushed, kind of like it just, and I think the reason is I think that Rowling does really well. Like she created this formula of formula you know, formula for okay. her books of like you know the of, swallowing of the... uh you know voldemort doesn't attack until after <laughs> no, <but laughs> after like following, finals <laughs> following yeah no no exactly yeah. right yeah until exactly, may exactly hey may. wait we're recording this in may you guys so watch Ooh, out dun, dun, dun. voldemort's around the corner That'd um, be scary. no but you're right so it's it's like yeah so harry grows through the school year and then has this like big epic battle in may when he uses everything he's learned in the previous school year to help him on this battle. Yeah, and it's it's very and it works for her. And she like It does. She it's corny, but it works. It's corny, but it yeah. works so well. And I think that taking them out of that situation, although the seventh book has some of the best scenes in the entire series. Uh, yeah. There's just parts that it just sort of drags and lulls and you don't really know what's going on. And then that final battle is just kind of like to me, like not that well done. Um, I do think I do think the part where he goes in the forest is cool. Um I have a very vivid memory of like reading the final, like that, oh, yeah. that part in the forest. Yeah. And I remember I brought the book with me to school and like read it during recess and was like crying, like during recess, reading this part of the book. Oh yeah. But oh goodness. I actually went, I went and read the epilogue before I read the book. I did too. No, I, I didn't read I the whole epilogue. I read the last sentence and it said all is well. And uh, I was like, all right, I can read this yeah. book now. And then the went thing. back and read it. Yeah. Because yeah. that was such a big controversy. Is, is he going to die or not? Well, it wasn't for me. It wasn't as much like I didn't I didn't think Harry was going to die. Like I really didn't think she was going to like this was before the Divergent series. So like like the whole idea of killing your main character like wasn't a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was like people like guess. This was before Game of Thrones. <laughs> this was before Game of Thrones. Pre Game of Thrones. But um no, I mean, killing your main character really wasn't a thing. You know, you could kill side characters, but I I read the last line and it said it talked about like the last paragraph like mentioned Ginny, mentioned Harry and then said all is well. And I was like, "All right, Ginny and Harry survive. I can do this. And then read the rest of the book. Um, but I actually really appreciated the whole, this like the weird lulls and then the quick action kind of pace. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's more accurate to real life than like the, like Voldemort waits until after final <laughs> exams. Like, but just like that's how real life works, right? Like we go through these periods of life where just nothing seems to happen. And then all of a sudden everything happens. Um, you know, like we talk about like with, uh, with, you know, like the pandemic we've just, just experienced, like everyone's lives has been on hold. Yeah, like we've been true. in this weird waiting period true, yeah. and now all of a sudden things are starting to pick up. Like I got a job and I'm moving across the country. Um, like I met someone and something might happen from that, you know, or like, like you and Michaela. So it's, it's just, I don't know. I feel like that's more accurate to real life. Um, but then a lot of people don't go to fiction to mimic real life. <laughs> well, it's also a nice, it's a nice break of pace to an extent like for for the for the whole series it's been a school year formula yeah, totally and now all of a sudden it's an adventure narrative however she still can't i just feel when i was reading it i felt like she couldn't she didn't understand her formula for that book because you think about it Ooh, breaking it's in, still like breaking into the ministry is the same thing almost exactly as breaking into green gods it's like and that's such a major part of the first part of the book and then it's yeah. a major part of the second part of the book and it's like she doesn't have it's like once she's operating outside of her formula, she doesn't know what to do from a little bit like more from, I like, see a that. Writing from like a writing perspective. Yeah. I mean, and then you can kind of counter that with like real life. Like if something worked before, you're going to do it again. You know, like it like it worked. They broke into Gringotts kind of successfully. So like might as well do it again. And like uh, I do feel like though Harry has this problem though. And like 
Um, the Wizarding World has uh, no real boundaries for magic except for like the three unforgivable curses. Yeah. Um, and there's this like theory in child psychology and like regular psychology where like creativity de- demands strict boundaries. Yes. Um, so you can compare like Avatar The Last Airbender. With this podcast. With like this. Oh my <laughs> we gosh. have two mics. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. No, but like we compare Avatar The Last Airbender with Harry Potter. Yeah, I love Avatar. And you look at like what Katara and Zuko and Aang can do with their, okay, you can can only use this specific element but like Katara is a master and she can do all of these different things like she can use ice and water and bloodbend and water vapor and all of this Harry really relies on two spells so it's this Expelliarmus Expelliarmus and Stupefy but it's, Patron- it's and, and oh Expected Patronum that's just, sorry it's like such a like, three spells but Expected Patronum is only useful in like one situation or i mean sending messages two situations but it's it's this uh, kingsley shacklebot did (laughs) in the seventh book it's a very handy skill like why didn't you do that to go talk to sirius it's very you know okay potholes um but there's this idea that like creativity requires strict boundaries yeah and the stricter boundaries that you have the more creative you can be yeah so like you look at katara and zuko they have very strict boundaries they have one element but they're masters and it's gorgeous but you look at the wizarding world and in the rowling's world and she doesn't really have any real boundaries except for these like quote unquote laws that are made by the ministry. And so then people like technically they could create more and do more, but they really fall into their own same spells and their own kind of way of thinking because they don't have those strict, like as strict of boundaries. So I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, but so with the whole like breaking into the ministry thing, of course they're going to use Polyjuice Potion because that's what they did in second year and it worked. That's what they did in Gringotts and it worked. So like this idea that like they don't have those strict boundaries, they're going to go with what worked in the past. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that's like a flaw on like Rowling's part as much as it is like a like boundaries create creativity thing. I yeah, I, I, I just think she I guess for me personally, I just feel like she works best in the confines of this sort of narrative. Of the school she, year. Yeah, the school year. She, yeah. And it's not it's not our school year. It's her school year. She invented that school year. Yeah, September works. to June. Yeah. Well, I mean, not just literally, but if you think about like figuratively how that whole world works. Okay. Yeah. It's like that's her thing, and I think that that she nurtured that, she got that to work. And when she's outside of that, not as strong, but still a great. No, book. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, totally. So oh, then, but with that though, I would say that I I kind of did appreciate the like abrupt end of the Battle of Hogwarts. Mm, yeah. Um, because a lot of the times in our lives, like we see these big like anxiety inducing scenarios. And then once we actually confront them, they're a lot easier than we think they are. Yeah. And so, I I mean, obviously, like, none of us are actually, like, fighting a wizard who's trying to kill us. But, like... Not yet. Not not. It's not it's not the end of May yet, you guys. <laughs> um, but just this concept of, like, maybe the things that we've been dreading aren't as bad as we think they are. Especially mm. if we have other people to support us. That's a great point. So, I mean... You know, one th- I will say that I think, having read the book recently and seen the movie recently, the seventh movie might be the, the single movie that seven I think part a or seven part both B? i think okay. they're actually better in my opinion than the book although the book has like some extra stuff i kind of enjoy the movie some of the things they did in the movies are just better i think like yeah. how voldemort disappears in the book i like that or in the movie i yeah. like that better because in the book his body's there that's to me that's a little I creepy mean, but part of that is supposed to be like in the book his body is still there because he is a man you know like yeah. he is mortal and like that's the whole like that's kind of the point but yeah I, I just think from an art like it's sort of an imagery standpoint the fact that he's gone because since he's yeah he's decreased his soul so greatly it's almost like he doesn't deserve to have a body anymore Ooh, i like that in the movie i thought that was a good choice and also the final battle in the movie is actually kind of nice too 
Anywho, moving on. <laughs> this is now this one's really gonna get me in trouble because a lot of people think this is the best one. I love this book. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but this is number five. Number four. Number so this is like the midpoint. Number four. And that's okay. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I was gonna guess that actually. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's because it's it's a midpoint in the series. Uh, it's sort of it's a great story, but there is there is I think. There's a bit of meandering that goes on. So from like a writing perspective, it's a yeah. bit like you kind of have like I love the Quidditch World Cup, but it doesn't really fit in with the narrative that much other than it's a setting for things to happen. But Well, OK, it's a setting for things to happen. But if we're looking at it from like a deeper perspective, it's like like the world stage and like the Death Eaters are showing that like they are not afraid to come uh, to the world stage. So like they didn't do that for any reason other than they were having fun. They weren't actually like in thinking Voldemort's going to come back. I mean, they're just screwing around. Okay, that's true. And then they run well, away. Okay, because we are. So, sorry, I've I have not read these books for the first time. <laughs> like the first time I read these books was like 15 years ago. So like now when I reread them, I'm like, oh, Voldemort's obviously getting ready to come back. Yeah. But no, you're right. They're they're just they're just messing around. Yeah. Um. As great as a book as it is, I just think that it there's there's some pretty strong plot holes that are a little that are a little hard to deal with. Like for example, for the one that always bothered me is how Dumbledore didn't know Moody wasn't the real Moody. When Dumbledore's so freaking powerful. That always kind of bothered me. Wait, um, no. That's actually a really good... I think... Okay, but I think this plays into Dumbledore's arrogance. Like, I, I really think that, like, he was like, we need, a, we need a defense against the Dark Arts teacher. Let's go ask Mad-Eye Moody. And then, like, it never would have occurred to Dumbledore that Voldemort or, like, the cronies would have attempted to polyjuice... Po- Again... Hey, Polyjuice Potion again, right? Like, <laughs> we break out. Of, like, we don't have boundaries. So, oh, my goodness. Um, but, like, I, I think part of that is because Dumbledore never assumed that someone would, like, or that, like, Voldemort's cronies would put themselves in Hogwarts yeah. because Dumbledore is so power, powerful. So I think that might be kind of tagging to his arrogance instead of, like, anything else. But I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely, a, like, from, like, an adventure standpoint, the, I think it's probably the most thrilling book. Oh, like it's got some yeah. crazy good thrills. I just, is that a student? It's a ferret. <laughs> also, it's by Ugh. far to me. To me, it's the the movie that has the most left out. Mm-hmm. Like I think. Well, the- it's like one of the fattest books. Yeah. Like it's one of the biggest. Um, like the jump from Prisoner of Azkaban to like Goblet of Fire is huge. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it, there's so much left out. So many great subplots left out of the movie in that book. Spew. Spew, um, pretty much serious. I mean, serious. All is hardly, of serious. <laughs> he's hardly in that movie. Oh, serious black. And he's in the book quite a bit. It's fine. I'm still bitter. Winky. Winky. <laughs> oh. Winky's left out. Dobby's left out. Oh man. Pretty much like what happens with Barty Crouch Jr. in reality, like in the book, what actually. It was so weird seeing out. David Tennant like show up on screen though. Like, yeah, let's that's be funny. Real. That was so weird. Um, no, you're right though. I agree. I would definitely give it to me as much as like how I gave like the seventh book movie is like the best adaption of the book. I would give the fourth movie. Not that the fourth movie is bad, but it's the, it lacks the best. It lacks some of the best material in the books in general. Except everybody's hair was fantastic. Yeah, true. Everybody had great hair in the fourth <laughs> movie. That director knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what we are at number three. Number and yeah, four. and as we talked about, like we already talked about, sort of uh, like how the, it's a transitional book, right? Right. Yeah. We've. I mean, we've talked about that in, in different podcasts. Well, just um, now too, we were talking about how like. Oh yeah. Yeah. How it's like it, it's when the it's the series the tone changes from children's yes. book to 
yeah more of a pretty much young adult or even adult book really yeah i mean i mean young adults still or young adult children still in the idea that like there's no sex there's no like there's no like vulgar like writing that we see in like adult books nowadays but like definitely started bringing in more of those adult themes of like the idea that like just being a good person doesn't protect you from death like that that's huge yeah um and then Oh my goodness. Okay, like Peter Pettigrew, he everyone would have just been a lot happier if he would have run off and just been a rat king of like some yeah. rat colony. Yeah. Like I just <laughs> I sorry, I'm so angry. <laughs> so, like why did he have to go to Voldemort? There's so many things he could have done. This is why this is why this is not on YouTube because it's just going to be me staring at the camera just like <laughs> angry at Peter Pettigrew. We should get we should I'm get so we should bitter. get somebody to film these. I'm so bitter. Oh my goodness. Moving on. You know the guy who played Voldemort? It's the same guy who played Ramses in The Prince of Egypt. Really? Yeah. Ramses? Who's Ramses? Yeah, Ramses in Prince of Egypt. Who's that? Like the pharaoh. Oh, like the pharaoh that... Didn't like, didn't let the people go and then let oh, the people go. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's, he's just a great actor in general. Yeah, no, he's... Yeah, yeah. that's weird. He's also an English patient, but... Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. You watch that. I have that. You can borrow it. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know if I have a device that can play DVDs anymore. It's a Blu-ray. I, I don't own anything. Really? Yeah. No, oh, I, I've gotten on like this Blu-ray craze. Where really? I've, been, I've canceled Netflix and I've been buying all these. Uh, oh my goodness. Blu-rays. I know. I'm like really scared of like this world that we're living in where nothing is tangible and everything's digital. Yeah. Well, the thing is that really bugged me is actually when you buy from Amazon, um, and I actually wrote an article about this, <laughs> but when you buy from Amazon, you don't technically own the content. No, you don't. You're, 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 you're paying to it. watch it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like a long, it's like an indefinite borrowing basically, but they yeah. can take it away whenever. Dudes, it's so weird. Anyway. <laughs> dystopia. Speaking of dystopia, number the fifth book of Harry Potter. Yeah. Number three. Okay. I would agree, but if, if I was making this list, I'd switch five and four. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. To me, the reason why I put five higher is just the writing quality is higher. The writing quality is higher, and and Harry Potter has his mother's sass. Like, I just, like, just, <laughs> oh, like, well, Dudley, see, the news is different every day. Like, it just, <laughs> oh, boy, like. It's so dark. Oh. It's so dark, and he's dealing with things. Like, as an adult, I can relate to this book so easily. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, the fourth book, it's still kind of fun and cutesy. Like, there's this undertone, and then it yeah. really comes out. Yeah. But, like, the fifth book, it's like he's he's in the thick. Yeah. Of, like, he's like a, he's basically, well, yeah. Cedric died. He watched Cedric die yeah. in front of his very eyes. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, oh, my gosh, like, I guess I have to overthrow the government. Like, and no one is taking him seriously. Um, There's so many dark things. I, I think... So after book four, like book five, six, and seven, there are some things that you read as a child that you didn't really understand and you reread as an adult and it's like, oh my gosh, that is scarring. And yeah. and something that lives in my head rent-free is the detention <laughs> where Harry had to write, so I must bad. not tell lies. Yeah. And it scarred the back of his hand. Yeah. Like I just, I, I cannot imagine that like as a 15 year old i can't imagine like because we you know we've all done lines like who hasn't done lines you know but like i can't like the trauma and then just like the adults in his life who actually care about him like mcgonagall and like arthur weasley and molly weasley like seeing the scar on his hand like i like whew like there are no words. It's like, dark. It's, it's dark. It's, and the book's a lot darker than the, the movie. No, the book is incredibly yeah. dark. And you're so in Harry's head. But the thing is, like all this stuff that's going like, on. Like Dumbledore doesn't do anything. Yeah, and, he, and Harry really is separated from everyone. And yeah. his, his only line to talk to is serious, and it's and, really hard to get a hold and, of him. And 
Ginny Weasley. Yeah, and Ginny's there for him. And Ginny is there for him. Um, like, yeah, and Ginny is there for him. And this is one of like this is the book where he he starts to think that he's getting possessed by Voldemort, oh, yeah. right? And he talks to Ginny because Ginny <laughs> has been possessed by Voldemort, right? And she can like tell him those things. Um, can I tell you a funny story about the fifth book though? Yeah. Okay, so the fifth book came out when I was in fifth grade. Um, and I borrowed it from like my school had like classroom libraries. So I actually bought a copy of it and had it in my backpack. And then I borrowed a copy of it from like the bookshelf and I was reading it under my desk while the teacher was lecturing and the teacher saw me and he caught me and he took the book away and I remembered the page number and then he went back to the like the board to keep lecturing and I pulled out my second copy from my <laughs> backpack and just opened up to that page that and kept epic. reading. That is so much in the spirit of the book too. Oh no. I, <laughs> I remember thinking I was like this Harry Potter would be would be very proud of me right now. A couple other things too that are sent out to me as really great moments and big highs in the book are mm-hmm. Dumbledore's army. Mm-hmm. That's like the first, like that's when Harry really steps up and becomes like a leader. Did you know in the movies Daniel Radcliffe made a like a distinct like conversation like made a distinct effort and had a conversation with the costume director to wear button down cardigans when he was doing Dumbledore's army to channel like Lupin. Oh, and that's and that's who inspired him to yeah. be in Dark. Ex- oh, that's so exactly. Cool. I yeah, saw a meme about that. And so actually. that was Daniel Radcliffe's idea as an actor for oh, wow. his character. That's so, so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. A plus Dan Rad. Good, Good job. job. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> I said this to him directly. <laughs> oh, what's perfect. Up? What's, what's Hi, up? Dan Rad. But uh, actually, another oh, reason man, too that this makes onto the list for me is that as like as you know from having done the, the podcast with me about the ten strongest wizards, yeah, I really like the sort of power system in Harry Potter. I think yeah. it's really interesting and kind of pretty. No, it's totally consistent. interesting. And to me, the coolest duel that you see, really the only really big duel that you look forward to, is Voldemort versus Dumbledore. Yes, and this book has that duel, and that yes. to me is just a, like the best duel to watch to read. Better to read than to watch. It was better than the book, I thought. Um, so that's another reason why I ranked this book a little higher. I I also love this book because her we this is like the first time we see Hermione having trouble with the spell. Uh, Expecto Patronum. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She can't she can't really do it. Like yeah. she she has a block. Like she she really struggles. And then we this is the first book that we see that like Ron and Hermione are kind of being set up because they're fighting like crazy in no, this book. No, but because what are their Patronuses though? Hermione's is a otter and ron's is a like a, a kind of like sea terrier that was a dog it's a terrier yeah but like like the the kind of terrier it is is uh, the kind that chases otters no way yeah i'm 100 percent serious purpose? yeah Shoot. no they set this up and remember we know that patronuses like mirror like the soulmates and Ginny's patronus is a doe so oh wow i know that's, inc- that's incredible. Wild. Also, this is where we get the famous, um, just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon. <laughs> <quote>. <laughs> okay. So, number two, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So, okay. I this book is probably my, like, the most fun for Wait, me Wait, I'm so sorry. Read. We for also forgot to talk about, like, this. the fifth book is the book where we see, like, Harry and Ginny actually starting to have a relationship yeah. besides, yeah. like... Ginny is Ron's younger sister. Because Ginny kind of gives up on him, so now she's finally not too Well, she, like, him. gives up on She starts dating... No, does she She doesn't date Dean Thomas in this book. That's the next book. She dates Michael Corner. Yeah. But anyway, but so she kind of yeah. gives up on him, but they actually get to become friends. Yeah, that's And then that, that sense yeah, sets, like, the baseline it. for others. Okay. And she starts, like, giving him, like, advice and things like that. Yeah. But Half-Blood Prince, that's the one where, speaking of Ginny, they finally mm. get together. It's much better done in the books than it is in the okay. movie. Okay. 
you very guys, awkward the, in the movie. The book, <laughs> the, the book scene where, like, they win, like, the cup. And, oh, my gosh, this is where, like, Snape gives Harry detention, right? So yeah. Harry doesn't even get to play in, like, his final... Guys, yeah. Harry doesn't get to play in his final Quidditch Wait, match. Wait, that's the sixth book. Yeah, the sixth book. Yeah, Harry yeah, doesn't get to play in his then, final but Quidditch Ginny match, win, Ginny wins it. No, they win because Ginny's yeah. the seeker. And then that's when, like, the kiss happens and it's beautiful. Yes, and it's much better than the movie. Where yeah. It's like this awkward kiss in the room. Or I, I love... I don't, I don't even remember. I think I blocked that out. I don't yeah. think that happened. Yeah, it didn't happen. Okay, great. <laughs> um, no, but just this idea that, like... Uh, we I think we've talked about in previous podcasts or maybe this this episode where um Harry is kind of like ditzy unless something like actively impacts his life yeah. um and part of that is like from his like childhood and whatever um but this is the book when he starts actually noticing Ginny mm. and he's like oh my gosh like I've made a mistake you guys like guys this is terrible like she used to like me now she doesn't like yeah. me and now it's awful yeah um and I just love the dichotomy of like harry dealing with this thing that could probably kill him but also there's this girl like like just yeah i love it it's beautiful um yeah it's a normal year it's kind of like in the midst of all it this, really it is a normal sort of, it is the most normal year yeah yeah he really just kind of has a normal life and he kind of gets to be a teenager and all that and then it's also i don't know why but she it's so much lighter in tone than the fifth book it's, I mean, it's a very fun kind he of. He loses serious, which is very odd. The yeah. Next, the next book would be lighter. Yeah. Um, but you're right, and I, I think it's part of. I don't know if she did this on purpose, but part of it is like, as like a, as like a 15 year old, you're not really sure what the hell is happening. Yeah. But then, like, once you bridge the gap from like 15 to 16, you're like, no, I got this. Actually, that's true because that's how it was in my life. When yeah. I, once no, I turned 16, I kind of was like, yeah. Because what are we in? Up. 16, junior. In junior yeah 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 as soon as you like bridge the gap from sophomore to junior you're like no i i got this and actually it's kind of like life too because when you're when you're a junior you feel pretty confident you're one of the older kids in school you're an upperclassman like that's you don't yet have the pressure of like i'm going to college next year Mm -hmm. but then senior year you're just kind of you have senioritis Mm -hmm. you're just like what the heck am i doing so that's that's a good that's a good comparison no but i i really did like this book i like that we got to see backstory um for like the Marauders, because you know me, I'm in love with James Potter, but that's <laughs> fine. I still think we haven't... No, we've made a couple episodes without me mentioning James Potter. Yeah, we should probably do one on the Marauders at some point. If you want me to cry. <laughs> I goodness. Do. I do. He does. Oh, my goodness. Um, no, so we get to learn more about the Marauders. Um, so we get to learn about that. We we get to see... Well, this is also the year where Harry doesn't have to deal with, like, standardized testing. Because in the yeah. fifth the fifth book, he had to deal with owls. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have to. Deal and this with one that. too, another great part as I love the scenes where he, he's like, it's kind of like after all this time, he's finally getting one on one time with Dumbledore. I don't like Dumbledore. But I love the scenes where he's with Dumbledore for some reason. It's just because it's just you get that feeling of what it was like to have like yeah. a professor looking out for you. Yeah. And Dumbledore is the last professor looking out for Harry, and then once he's pretty much. Well, I mean McGonagall. But yeah, that's McGonagall. Fine. But then well, Dumbledore dies, and it's kind of like oh. And this is the book, though, when we start to actually, like, question Snape. Because, like, up yeah. until this book, we always thought Snape was terrible. I mean, newsflash, I still think Snape is terrible. <laughs> like, no matter what happened in the yeah. seventh book, Snape is terrible. But um, we actually start to, like, see what happens from his point of view. And I love that Harry is so intuitive. That, like, he can look at Draco Malfoy and be like, something's going on here. Yeah. No one's believing me, but something is happening And, of course, Dumbledore here. didn't just tell him what's going on. No, of course. Of course not. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but I mean, Harry's right. You know, like Harry is right. Like Draco Malfoy is a Death Eater, and like no one believes him except for like Ginny. Kind of like says like, okay, you might be right. Let's look into it. You know, yeah. 
Um, and also this is the, yeah, I just love Harry and Ginny. That's fine. They're perfect. That's great. They're beautiful. They're great. Their relationship's them. great in the book. It's just, yeah, I, I, it's my favorite book to read. It's also a smidge shorter than the fifth book, so it's a little That's easier true. to read than the fifth book. See, I didn't know that because my fifth book is paperback. Mm, and then okay. my sixth book was actually given to me on my birthday. Yeah. And so it literally like, cause my, um, I am in, I'm a November baby. Yeah. Um, so the books always came out around my birthday yeah. and the movies always came out either July 31st or my birthday ish for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, so I have like a first edition of the sixth book. Okay. So like it's nice. hardback and thick and I, I have such great memories of reading that book the first yeah. time it came out. Yep. I remember just reading it. I read it until like the, we, it was like light out by the time I went to bed. Yeah, and, no, uh, yeah. that was um that was me with the seventh book. It came out like on our like Tri Valley Invitational swim meet, and it was the quietest swim meet because you you walked around and every single kid almost was reading the seventh Harry Potter book. <laughs> Those were crazy um, times. I feel like everybody is still trying to recover from how much fun that was. That was like that was one of, probably one of my favorite life memories. You know, I don't like, think you our, have like those. our kids are never going to understand what that felt like. I mean, unless no, I mean, there's always going to be book series that are like that though. Not like that. <laughs> I mean, okay, you're right. I don't no, no, no. So. Not like worldwide, but like the trick is to like find series that are still out. Like yeah, out part of the fun and, of that was is how worldwide how, it was. How, like you yes, could go to any no. Barnes Noble anywhere and they would have these events. No, you're 100% right. Like we actually sent one of the swim team moms to go buy like 10 copies at Walmart. Yeah. And then come back. And like I remember getting out of swim meet warm ups and she was like, all right, who wants a copy of the seventh Harry Potter? And like everyone, you know, raised their yeah. hand. But no, it's crazy, man. All right. So sorry. What's your... Uh, number one. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> yeah, we already on number the one. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. And I think to me, it's, it's funny that Rowling like pretty notoriously says that she, this was the easiest book to write. It was, really? she said it basically wrote itself and you can tell when you read it, like just how effortless it feels it to read it. It flows really well. Yeah. Yeah. And all the different themes, how they connect so well uh, from a literary, yeah, from a literature perspective, lit- literary perspective, I think is definitely the best one. Uh, all the, all the reversals and the themes that tie in together, I think are really cool. And I think that also it's really cool because it's, it's about such a specific thing, which is it's just about saving a guy, you know? Yeah. It's about saving Sirius. And it's also like about saving Harry's um, godfather, godfather, father yeah. figure. Like it's kind of like his redemptive chance of like actually having family for the first well, time. And this is when like this book sets up like everything else. So we talk about like the Chamber of Secrets sets up the Horcruxes, but yeah. like the um, Prisoner of Azkaban sets yes. up all the other relationships yes. in Harry's life. Yeah. Um, and the plot. And the plot. But it is. Like rereading it, like after becoming an adult and like stepping back and realizing, oh my gosh, I am five years older than James and Lily Potter. Yeah. Like wild. (laughs) But like going back and reading this book and just being like, oh my gosh, and like reading about the Marauders and like hearing about this and just like, Harry, I just, I just want to like hold 13 year old Harry (laughs) in my arms. Um, But yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to experience near death so I can hear my father's voice. Like, oh it's, just, it's such a and also also <sighs> another reason why it's such a great book is that it introduces us to hogsmeade and hogsmeade is freaking awesome. okay can we just say why do you have to have a parent permission slip to go to the next town over but you don't need a parent's permission slip to participate in the triwizard tournament or to go into the forbidden forest <laughs> <laughs> you go in there for detention if you're bad <laughs> i just i have so many questions and none of them are answered yeah i don't know um, the reason i guess well i mean there's there was a lot of like he he really kind of became a bit of a trickster in that book it was the first time he, he became a trickster you know why fred and george mm-hmm. and the map yeah yeah. Yeah, but he needed the map to get in Dogsmeade. 
No, he totally did. Yeah. And so then, it, it really played into this Marauders thing. That's a, the book's yeah. really about like you know to your to your favorite thing. It is the third book is about the Marauders. That is why it's one of I think it's it's a tie between the Prisoner of Azkaban and the Chamber of Secrets. So if she if she were to write a series about the Marauders, it would probably be really good. I'd be the, in it. Well, okay, <laughs> no, no, no. I'd be worried yeah. about how she would treat Snape because I think she like has a really soft 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 spot for Snape, mm. and I'm concerned yeah. like there there was talk about like um a a snape like spin-off series like featuring like adam driver <laughs> like as snape and yeah. i was like no like snape doesn't deserve a spin-off series yeah. um he had his part he had his role he had his role he's done um there's kids named after him i just oh my gosh that's another podcast <laughs> uh, no but the the third book i think actually is i think it is the book that i've reread the most um, and it's the book that really showcases James and Lily's relationship the best. Um, besides the one scene we see in the seventh book when Harry like reads the letter that Lily sent to Sirius. Um, but it is, I think it's it's the DVD that my sister and I have watched the most. Wow. You know, it's it's such a beautiful movie. Like, yeah, it's. I think the of colors all in that of them, movie are amazing. Oh my gosh, just the, like the cinematography, they yeah. did so well. Um, but I think it's actually one of the movies that is the closest to the book. Mm, okay, yeah. Especially yeah. in spirit and in probably in liter- literally closest in yeah. terms of what it depicts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's just like, as you get older, right? Like as, as we get older, there's just, there's so much pain in that book that we don't recognize as children. Yeah. Um, just the fact that like Harry should have grown up like calling like Remus Uncle Remus instead yeah. of Professor Lupin, <laughs> you know? And just like imagine when like, like, because the first time Harry hears his dad's voice is in front of Lupin. And he says, like, oh, I heard my dad. You and heard then, James? Re- you heard James. Yeah. And I'm just like... That's a powerful like, moment. Like, it's, it's so much more... Like, everything about the Marauders is so much more painful as you get older. Yeah. And I think that is something that makes Harry Potter... Like, the Harry Potter series so different than other series. Just that, like, we can read them as children and be like, oh, this is great. Like, this is a great adventure, you know, whatever. And you read them as adults and you're just crippled by pain. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's an entirely different book series when you're older than than james and lily potter and i think the third book really encapsulates that well said loomis okay so everybody this has been another episode of keeping up with joe glad that you joined us if you're here for this for the first time again welcome make sure to subscribe give us a little rating that'll make sure other people can find it as well the episode as well um and if you haven't done so make sure to subscribe to the newsletter so you can get these episodes mailed emailed to you directly and that to subscribe to the newsletter is josephrideranderson.com slash subscribe. And also make sure to look out for Loomis's podcast, Hearts Ablaze, um, which will be available soon on all, if not already, um, on all of your favorite podcast players.